Hello, this is Tammy Lenski, and I have just a quick note for you. The podcast is now named Disagree Better. When confronting a difficult behavior, we typically focus on what we want the other person to stop doing. Sometimes this works, but too often we create a behavior vacuum with this approach, making it harder for them to stop the difficult behavior. Here's how to avoid this common misstep. Hello, this is Tammy Lenski, and welcome to The Space Between, a podcast about getting better results from our most difficult and important conversations. The Space Between refers to the figurative terrain between them and us, between where we are and where we want to be, maybe even between who we are and who we want to be when we're in a difficult conversation. And this episode is Avoid This Common Blunder When Confronting Difficult Behavior. Last year, my generally well-behaved agility dog suddenly started a behavior that really challenged my dog training know-how. Long obsessed with squirrels, cats, and any other critter that happens by the window, she took that obsession to a whole new level by beating on the windows with her paws hard, really hard. We desperately needed to get her to stop before she broke a window and cut herself badly. In a house with more windows than wall, it wasn't simply a matter of lowering dozens of shades and living in troglodytic darkness. It was a matter of changing the mental model I was using to solve the problem. In short, I needed to get myself to do land. Behavior vacuums. We all remember this from secondary school science. Nature abhors a vacuum. What happens when we create a vacuum? Nature wants to fill it. When we tell someone to stop a difficult behavior, particularly when that behavior is a well-worn habit of theirs, we help create a void where the old behavior once lived. I call these behavior vacuums. A behavior vacuum is the void created by stopping a behavior. It's easy for the old behavior to seep back into the void unless we fill it with something else. I recall first running into behavior vacuums when I began teaching basic mediation many years ago. My co-teacher and I told participants we had just one rule for the next few days of mediating. Don't give people advice or suggestions about how to solve their problem. Why come to a training, we said, and practice what you already know how to do? Most of you, we said, are probably very good advice givers. You know how to solve problems by telling people what to try. Let's suspend that habit for the duration of the training. Of course, it was very hard for participants to pull off. Sometimes they weren't even aware they'd lapsed into advice giving and were shocked when we would gently touch a shoulder to remind them to refrain from advice. Sometimes they'd try to disguise it in the form of a question, as though hanging a question mark at the end legitimized it. What do you think about the idea of a payment plan for what you owe? So we started drawing a big circle on the board at the beginning of the first session. We'd say, This is the void we've created by telling you not to give advice. Your advice-giving self will probably get sucked repeatedly into this void at the beginning, but gradually we'll introduce tools and skills you can use to fill the void. If you keep practicing these tools and skills, they'll become far more powerful than almost any solution you could offer as a mediator. The goal, in other words, is to fill behavior vacuums with a better behavior. That's where do-land comes in. I swiped the phrase do-land, that's D-O-L-A-N-D, 
from legendary dog trainer and agility champion Susan Garrett. Garrett believes it's better to train dogs by living in the land of do than living in the land of don't. She says, it is far easier to teach your dog something to do than something not to do. It's Garrett's do-land method that resulted in my dog ceasing her window bashing. Instead of trying to get her to stop beating on windows whenever she saw a squirrel, which didn't work, I taught her what I wanted her to do instead. Run to the closest person and sit down. She has paid handsomely for that success, too. When confronting behavior, do-land works the same way. Focus on what we want them to do instead of what we want them not to do. Here are a few examples from the kinds of scenarios I run into frequently. Example one from the land of don't. Try not to interrupt. The do land version? Jot down any points you want to make so they can finish their thought. The land of don't example two. Stop coming to me behind her back. I want you to learn how to confront difficult behavior directly. The do land version? Before coming to me with a complaint, raise the issue with her at least twice and be sure you're doing it in private and at a time she can give it some attention. The land of don't example three. You're a pretty frequent critic and I'd like to see you be less critical. I think it's causing people to dismiss you. The do land version. Let's try something. When you open your mouth to criticize during a meeting, try pausing to ask yourself, does what I'm about to say contribute meaningfully to this conversation? Land of don't example four. It's not okay to lose your temper here. That's got to stop. The do land version. When you feel yourself getting really angry, what could you do instead of lashing out? In other words, that's the let them identify their own do land option. Some do land questions and objections. One, why should it be my problem to figure out do land for them? They're adults, not dogs. Well, do land is as much for you as it is for them. You are, after all, confronting difficult behavior you want changed. And by identifying a behavior to do, instead of creating a behavior vacuum, you increase their chance for success. You know, I find it smoother sailing to be in partnership with someone instead of in the position of school norm. Two, I have no idea what they should do instead. I just want them to stop doing this thing. Adopting a new mental model often does feel like a challenge, yes, because we're changing our own habit of fixing by preventing or fixing by some other method. Try visualizing in your mind's eye what you'd love to see them do in place of the difficult behavior you want to stop. If they reacted brilliantly, what would that reaction look or sound like? Three, why can't I just ask them what Dooland might look like? By all means, ask. Enlisting someone in their own success is a powerful option for their own development and for taking some of the weight off your shoulders. Try asking, what could you do instead of doing X, Y, or Z? And four, are you saying we should never tell someone don't? You know, problem solving isn't binary. It's a continuum. And the complexity of human nature makes me want to avoid absolute rules like this. I am saying that when it comes to confronting difficult behavior, don't can actually make it harder for them to achieve the very thing you're trying to get at. Thank you so much for listening. Hey, if you've been enjoying this free podcast, would you help spread the word? It's easy. Just text or email one person to tell them you enjoy this podcast and think they might too. 
The URL to give them is thespacebetween.fm. Transcripts of podcast episodes are available at no cost to my subscribers, who receive an email each time one is available. Visit TammyLensky slash subscribe. That's T-A-M-M-Y-L-E-N as in negotiation, S-K-I dot com slash subscribe.